Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner. We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Terilyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. Hey everybody, it's Caitlin. I'm going to start us off with our face palms and high fives. And mine is, again, it's kind of a face palm and a high five and it is to Stranger Things. Anybody who is watching that. Um, so I, I, I don't want to say I have a love-hate relationship. I actually feel like that's a little too strong. I have more like a like-dislike relationship with Stranger Things because I like it. I'm not a scare, like, I don't like watching scary movies at all. In fact, I really don't like, I, I would say I do hate scary movies. <laughs> I really don't like them. Um, but, you know, when we, when we and Cam lived back in Minnesota, some friends got us started into Stranger Things, and it was more of a social thing, and I did really like it, even though it was scary, and I did, it did keep me up some nights. But then, anyway, I, when the third season came out, my first baby had just been born. I just was not in the mood, never really got back in the mood, even though Cam still wanted to watch it. So now this is like almost three years later since the third season came out. The fourth season just came out for anybody who knows. And Terilyn and Felicia, you guys and their families all got into it. And they're like, Hey, we're doing the finale. Kaylin, you've got to like catch up so you can watch it. And I totally had a FOMO FOMO moment because I was like, Oh my gosh, I want to. I want to so bad. And I haven't felt this in a long time, but I was like, I don't want to be the only one that doesn't watch this finale with everybody. This sounds too fun. So I did start watching. I started catching up on the third season. And the truth is, I actually do really like it. Like, I'm like, oh yeah, I do. I like love these characters and it's fun. But you guys, my problem is, so the, so the high five is that it actually is really fun to watch it. And it was so fun to watch the finale with you guys. I really loved it. Mm-hmm. And oh, uh, it was great. But the facepalm part is that sometimes at night still when it's quiet and it's dark, <laughs> I like freak myself out. And I start to like think of all the scary things that I've watched in that show. And it's not good for me because then it takes me like I have if I already have a baby or somebody else waking me up, it's like, I can't have stranger things keeping me up too. So Ugh. that's kind of my face palm is that I am, I have scared myself. Affecting <laughs> <laughs> me. Anyways, that's my five face palm. Oh, dang it. Well, Caitlin, I am glad you joined us and I am sorry that it's affecting your sleep, but it was really fun watching it with you. It was Caitlin, fun and you know what? It's worth it, but. Oof. And Caitlin, let's actually some, something that's endearing to me about you is I mean like I'll start telling her I'm I will sometimes be telling her a story of a scary movie that I've seen and she's like I want you to tell me okay please tell me but oh please don't tell me like she's like going back and forth like she wants to hear the story but she doesn't it's hilarious it's adorable okay about that really quick is that I do once I hear a scary story I'm like I gotta know how it ends like I do want to know the story but it's almost worse because then it's in my mind. Like I am picturing what happened. So it's almost not even, I don't know if it's better than watching the movie. I don't know. Cause then I do think about it. I'll remember certain things. I can think of certain movies that Terilyn that you've told me about that are ingrained in my mind. Like I, I can like still, <laughs> so 
oh well and anyway so yes it i know it is i it's like a love hate with those things well i'm sorry but i am happy that you were there for us with us okay well this is terlin and i have just a just a funny facepalm and it's from this morning actually so you know we've been up since 5 45 planning out our stuff and finally at the end before we take our break to record i go to drink my water for the first time of the morning and i just grabbed a water bottle from my kitchen like i didn't fill it up it was just full so i was like great this is awesome i started drinking it guys it's rotten rotten water which i've never even heard of rotten water before but full blown there is rot in the water so i take off the lid there are peas peas like the vegetable peas in the water and then i have this flashback to two nights ago we're eating peas as a family like i put out fresh peas for my kids to eat and my boys were peeling them trying them but not really liking them and they were dropped they dropped some peas in the water bottle for fun and then i just set the water bottle to the side nobody's drank out of for two days there's a lot about this it's very disgusting honestly if i looked at my water bottles before i drank them i wouldn't have this problem well i've never had this problem before but <laughs> so gross guys like it was full-blown rotten so gross like make me gag kind of water so i just drank rotten pee water so that's fun that's oh, my, my face bomb. and now i have a fresh water bottle for the recording i now have a fresh water bottle so this is this is good but but who looks in their water bottle for they drink if there's already water in it? Unless you fill it up. I don't. I don't, I, I don't either. And I've never had a problem until now. And I'm 37. Yeah. So, I mean, it, I'm not probably <laughs> going to change my practice at this point. But seriously. Oh, yucky, yucky. Okay. That's a face palm. I have a high five. And that is to swimming um, specifically in the evenings. We've been going swimming at like when the pool is closing and for like the last couple hours. And it's so nice because you can just swim. Then that's your kids are getting clean, do a little rinse off in the shower, put them in the jammies done. No mess in your house. We just bring some dinner with us and it is quite glorious swimming in the summer at night. And it's like so hot here at that time of day right now. It's like a hundred degrees. So really it's like, Air conditioning or water are the only options in our weather right now. So we've been swimming in the evening and it's so nice. So that is my high five. This mm, I like that. That inspires me. I haven't been to the pool. Usually my my pool time is like right when it opens. So I gotta I gotta delve in. And here. just like right when it opens, when it's closing, there's no one there. So it's really mm-hmm. very nice. Tranquil. I like that. Tranquil at the city pool in the evening. Okay, so we are going to be talking about a question that we received from a listener today. Cammie, shout out to you. She has been a longtime listener, and I we really enjoy talking with her and talking with all of you guys and hearing your your questions. So I also wanted to give a call out for listener questions. Um, we love when you leave them in a review because it helps us and then we can help you. So if you have a listener question about anything, parenting, personal development, anything we've talked about on the podcast, send those in to us. But today's question is this. Um, so Cammy mentioned that she's been feeling a little burnt out in her motherhood and she listened to our interview with Rachel um, Nielsen from 3 and 30. So we will link that episode, but it was about finding joy again in motherhood, like recommitting to finding enjoyment there. Um, 
but she says, one thing that caught my attention was how you mentioned being more on the strict side and also, and she, and she's talking to me, Felicia, that I had mentioned in the interview with Rachel that, um, I have a tendency to want to control specifically in hard times in my life. Generally, I don't like to feel out of control, which who doesn't when we say that, I guess. <laughs> but I do think it's like a part of my personality um, a little bit more. So she says, that really resonated with me. And I feel that I am very much that way. I'm wondering if you have found ways to ease up in quotes. I know you're not a military mom or anything, but just ha- just for lack of a better word, on expectations or to relinquish control with your kids. I would love to hear more about that. So we thought this was a beautiful question because I think we all struggle with this in parenting. We have these little humans that we're in charge of and we're supposed to be teaching them things. And where is the balance between holding boundaries and teaching and being a militant controller? Um, So we're going to offer some ways that you can think about this on a day-to-day basis, concrete things when it comes to disciplining, but we just think it's worth mentioning that as Cammie talked about in the first part of her question, um, and what I feel is that there's like a deeper thing at play in our subconscious where it does feel good to think, (laughs) keyword, think we are in control of our lives. Um, But I, so for me, it's really helpful to learn about and research like the Buddhist practice of letting go of control. So one of my favorite teachers on this is Tara Brock and Um, I can link actually right now she's hosting a series on her podcast about surrender and letting go. Um, Mm -hmm. But one of her main points is that between you and presence and finding true joy in the moment of your, like any moment in your life is that tendency to control. So when we're in that management mode and we're wanting things to be different than they are, or wanting more out of any situation, we are putting up a barrier that's preventing us from like walking into that field of presence. And so that's like a practice that helps me come back to, no, but what I really want is to be in this moment. I don't want to be in some made up future place where I'm like, but it's supposed to look like this. It's supposed to be like this. They're supposed to be acting like this because then I'm not really even living. So, so that's like a first reminder for me is, is that practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think letting that idea kind of what you're saying is like letting that idea kind of like an umbrella over how we act in our day to day. I like that. Cause yeah, I think one thing that I find, I really resonated with what Cammie said. So I think it's a really good question. Um, because I think sometimes it is hard. I find myself almost having decision fatigue throughout the day of like, what do I want to hold a boundary on? And what is it okay for me to let go of? Um, And I recently heard a quote um, from somebody saying that like, if you care about everything, then it's the same as caring about nothing. And I think about that sometimes that it's like, if I am 
caring about everything going on, then that's hard for our kids or really anybody to live with because it's like, it's the same as caring about nothing. So I think about that, that it's like, so sometimes throughout the day, I think, yeah, is this, and I think because I'm, I'm still like, my first is still really, my first kid is still really young. He's three. Um, I think there's maybe a little bit more of this than say for you guys that have now, you know, you have more kids and your kids are older. Maybe you kind of already have done the works of some of this infrastructure of like what matters to you to really hold the boundary. Cause some things are really easy, right? I think we all resonate with things of safety or, you know, like making sure that our kids are in their car seat. Like that's a boundary that we hold no matter what. And we don't let go of that or running in the road or even things like brushing teeth. It's like, well, we hold this boundary because we don't want our kids to have cavities and have their teeth rotting or, you know, whatever it is. So I think there's some things that are really easy and clear cut for some of us of like, yes, this is something that I, I maintain this and I always hold it. But then I think it becomes a little bit hard to know when that it's like, okay, am I okay with, with letting this go? And I think being, I think some of the key to making this easier on us is when we can be certain about the, the boundaries that we're going to like hold and where we're going to stay. Because for instance, for me, like I right now, Emmett, I've mentioned this in a couple of past podcast episodes, but, um, we did just move him to a big bed, which in turn means that he can, and he had been able to get out of his crib there for a little while before, which is why we moved him to the big bed. But it's been interesting because now he can come out of his room whenever he wants. And that's kind of hard because it used to be when I laid him down at night, it was like, he was there and there was no coming out. And it was, and that time is like sacred for me, right? Like, I'm like, okay, this is now my time that is totally uninterrupted by children. I gotta do this. So it's been interesting for me and Cam to figure out like, okay, we're holding this boundary. And it's, I think it's hard for me to know, like, cause like I get to the point sometimes where I'm like, I kind of want to just like, I've told him, I'm like, I, I want to lock the door because I need you to stay in here. But then I feel like I'm almost threatening, which I don't love that. Right. Like I don't want to be the kind of parent who is threatening, but at the same time, like I know it's effective and I really want him to stay in. So it's hard. Cause I have, I've kind of tried to like wrestle this out with myself of like, okay, I, I want control over this because I want him to stay in, but how do I then like come at it from a place of, okay, like it's really clean and I'm certain. And like, there is a reason why I'm holding this boundary. And I think for me, it actually, it changes from like, when I think about it in a sense of like, I'm holding this boundary for you and for me, like you actually need to be asleep because it's better for you and for me, because like you need the sleep to be a happy person. And I need you to be asleep to be a happy person. So like when I look at it in that way of like, this is actually me holding a healthy boundary, I'm able to do it with more conviction and I feel like less baggage and like less emotion. And this is like something that I've tried to work through on myself. Like I am trying to figure out the best way to do it because it's been kind of hard for me to like figure out how to let, because I don't have control over this anymore. He can't just like stay in his room without it locking. And I don't know. Maybe for some people, they do feel okay about locking the room. And I don't even know where I'm at with that. But I don't know if you guys have any specific things on that. But that's something that I think I've tried to figure out how that looks for me. Like where it's like, I no longer have control over this. So how do I, but how do I then still hold a boundary and keep it healthy? Like with my kid and having it be a loving relationship. 
And I think as we're talking about this, I mean, that's a, first of all, Caitlin, that's a tricky thing. It's hard to know what's, what's the best way. And there's a diff- I would say, I mean, you're going to have to look inside of yourself and see what you feel good about and why. But, but for me, this is kind of at the crux of not only our parenting issues, but this is at the crux of our relationship with our own lives. Right. So on one hand, I can hear the voices in my head. Um, you know, I have, we have a great episode on authoritative parenting, which from a practical standpoint is where this balance is. You know, we have militant parenting, which is just, you control everything. You force it with threats, bribes, whatever it is. Then you have on the opposite side, you have permissive parenting, which is where you just give lots of love, but no boundaries, right? The extreme is neglect with no love or boundaries. But authoritative parenting is this beautiful place where you have true love, unconditional love, and you also have boundaries. And I mean, that's what we're going for from a practical standpoint here, right? So, I mean, I feel like that's really the key. When we're talking about action, that's the key is we're setting up limits and then we're giving our children lots of love and lots of freedom within those limits. And then we're also not shaming them when they push those limits, right? But we're firmly holding them for them. Just like, you know, we all know you check the seat on your roller coaster ride before you go, you're testing that limit because you want to feel safe. So holding those limits for our kids, I think is really important. So I think, but as I'm saying this, this is a really important concept, but it almost feels like more the surface level of what we're talking about. So from a practical standpoint, I think that's really good as you're looking at your own individual boundaries, Caitlin, and for all those listeners out there, it's kind of this, okay, how am I feeling about this limit? Is this something that I want to hold? Is this how I want to hold it? And how can I do it from a place of firmness, not sternness? That's the difference. Janet Lansbury really clarifies that, which I love. We're not being stern. We're not like, but we're just being firm. We're just gently holding a limit firm. You know, I won't let you hit. I'm going to make sure we go to bed at this time. We know whatever the limit is, we hold that limit. But then within that space, we're giving our children lots and lots of freedom to develop their own instincts and their own trust in themselves. And I think as much as we can give within those limits, it's really, really healthy. And that that's a theme we see come up in our own lives, even as an adult. I mean, I, I choose my limits now. That's the difference, right? But I find that I flourish when I, I mean, I have limits with what I believe my morals are and the choices that I choose are within limits. And then with, un, within that framework, I do give myself lots of freedom because I'm an adult, right? So, I mean, I think this concept, this framework is something that we deal with our whole lives. What are, what are the limits we feel good about? And then how much freedom can we allow in there? So to me, that's just really helpful as you're kind of looking from a practical standpoint, how to do that. But I think that kind of opens up, I feel like there's just something deeper here and it opens up a lot about intention, control. When, what about when we're wanting, I mean, we just had an issue last week where what do we force ourselves to do that we don't want to do? And what do we kind of make our kids do that they don't want to do? So an example of this is just last week we had a family reunion on my side of the family. So this is with Caitlin and Felicia and it was an hour away. And I was kind of grumbly and I wasn't really wanting to go. Neither were my kids. Three out of my four children did not want to go. My husband didn't want to go. He, d- he didn't go. And right before we left, I was like, 
Ew, that's just so far. I don't know if I want to drive that far. So I usually don't work this out with my children, but this time I did because I was conflicted. And I sat down and I was like, what are our reasons for going to this? We don't really want to go. And I don't want to teach them to do things out of guilt or shame. So, I mean, I wanted to say things like, well, it would make other people happy if we went. Because it would, you know, it would make my parents happy. But I was like, eh, I don't know. That's, that one's not really resonating with me. So as we talked, I was like, okay, I don't want to go. But the reason why I, I think we actually, I would like, I would actually like to go is because I want to see those family members that I don't see very often. And that connection is valuable to me. So for that reason, I actually do think my vote is that, you know, we go. And it was interesting. My kids were like, yeah, that, that's that, like that intention works. It resonated with me. It didn't feel like a place of, of shame. And guess what? We went and we loved it. My kids want to go back to that place now for their birthday parties. I mean, they like love, 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 loved it. So it's an example of, I think there's a lot of things in our lives where we don't necessarily want to do. And there are things our kids don't want to do, right? They don't want to, like one of our limits is well, I don't even want to get into that. Actually, never mind. But, you know, I have limits for my kids. And sometimes it's like, yeah, they don't want to do that. But I really believe that it's worthwhile to do it. So it's a limit that I enforce, right? And so I think getting clear on your intentions, what is your intention behind this limit that you're setting? Do you feel good about it? Does it resonate with you? Or is it just from a place of, this is just a societal expectation that I don't, doesn't drive with me. And if so, can I let it go, right? And that's the thing is we can't, None of us can say or dictate that for each other. We have to decide for ourselves what those limits are. But that's an example to me of if you get clear about your intentions, it's easier to create a boundary or do something that maybe you don't necessarily want to do, but it's worthwhile to do and do it from a place not of control, but of choice and freedom. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. You actually brought up two like little bookmarks for me that I want to make sure we touch on. And the first one is when you were saying firm versus stern, um, we can all feel that when you can say the same, you can say the exact same thing. And when you're firm, it is not attached. It is not controlling. They do not have control over your emotions, whether or not they're happy about the boundary. You are the same. When you're moving into that like mad feeling coming out of you in your voice or your actions, they know they have control. <laughs> there is a control dynamic that is happening that if they choose to push back, your emotions are going to spiral or whatever it is. So I think just that if you're like, well, I think there's a lot of getting caught up on what we say, how we say it in what way we say things, when we say blah, blah, blah. I actually don't think beyond, you know, like words that are mean or causing shame and guilt, obviously, like there's extremes, but the way you say stuff, I think is less important than the emotion you're delivering with or, or lack of them controlling your emotions, I guess is a better way to like determine, do I need to take a pause? Cause if I say this, it's going to come out like they're in control of me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good like thing for me to remember, like, can I get to a place where I'm holding a boundary in a neutral way or mm -hmm. in a way that I feel if you can even get to the other side where it's like, 
I'm like even happy because I know this is the best choice for us. Like I'm like in like a really good place. Like even though you're not like, I'm here for you being like that stable, supportive person that can hold this for you because you're just too little to hold this for yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's really important. And then the other thing that you brought up, um, you know, was the values and setting those up in advance. But I think there's like a lot of preparatory work that goes into this question. So getting clear on your values for your family and then also looking at the situations that you have in your home with your kids and seeing, is there anywhere where I can let go more? And by what I mean by that is, is there anywhere where I need to let my kids do this by themselves or teach them to do this by themselves so I'm not putting myself in a place where I have to control the situation because that's making me grumpy. So mm-hmm. maybe it's like you're for, you have to force your kids to get dressed every day. Are they old enough that perhaps they can just learn how to get themselves dressed and choose their outfit? So like looking at those um, questions and seeing where you can move into teaching instead of controlling. Yeah, which sometimes is, well, I find it is sometimes hard to do because again, with a three-year-old doing some of it, and I'm sure at all ages it's hard because sometimes it's like, well, I could do it faster or I could do it better. And if they do this, it's not going to be as clean. But you're right. The whole purpose of of them doing it isn't so that it'll be done perfectly or to yours. Like if, you know, if I wanted my dishes all put back, like Emmett does help me with the silverware. If I wanted my silverware put back perfectly, I could just do it by, myself. But that's not the point, right? Like the point is that he is learning how to do it and I can let go of, like, I can let go of some of those things because in turn, like he is learning those things and he is learning independence. Now, I think you bring up a really good point that I think there's a lot of places where we can like let go and choose to let go willingly so that they can learn for themselves and have that autonomy themselves. And I think we have to do that like (laughs) more intentionally than ever before because a lot of us have more time to be seeing these situations that our kids are in where we have to be like, oh, I could help them, but I need to like pull back. And I think this oftentimes leads to burnout for parents because they're doing so much and there's a lot of it that like that it not it should the right word, like that they don't even need to be doing but because their kids could be doing them for themselves that we take on. Like, I'm so burnt out. I'm doing like X, Y, Z. And if you look at the list, it's like, what percentage of this could I release <laughs> to them? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, And that's an important part. I think anytime we're having a control issue is <laughs> once we release it to them to do something, we are giving up some control. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, okay. that's yeah. part of the growing up process. So I think that, I think that's worth looking at. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So I think this leads to like a bigger question of, you know, we have these values that we want within our families that we choose. And then we have the conundrum of our kids becoming adults 
and becoming their own people. Um, and one of my favorite people who talk on this topic is Shafali Sawberry. She wrote the book, The Conscious Parent, The Awakened Family. We've reviewed both. We'll link the episodes. But <clears throat> she has this um, concept that every child is its own spirit. And we know this. We know our kids are separate people from us. But it's easy for that to get muddy <laughs> when you're raising kids. So she always says, they are a spirit throbbing with their own signature. Um, and she says, it's crucial that you realize that you're not trying to raise a mini me. For this reason, it's important to separate who you are from who each of your children is. Children are not ours to possess or own in any way. When we know this in the depths of our soul, we tailor our raising of them to their needs rather than molding them to fit our needs, which, you know, this plays into the topic of codependency and like tiger moms or dads who are living out their lives through their kids and that burden we place on our kids. So what do you guys think we can do to balance holding boundaries, having values within our family, having, you know, intentions for our kids with, but they're also their own person and not, and not, you know, weighing them down with our expectation. Mm. I think those words, all those choice of words, I mean, I couldn't have, we've, I love it because we've kind of wrestled with all those words, expectation, intention, values. So when we're talking about giving our children like a burden to carry, yes, I don't want, I don't think there's any way around the fact that our children are going to hear our voices for the rest of their lives in their heads, right? And it's a little scary because we want to make sure those voices are serving them. (laughs) However, I mean, when I think about it, I don't want my children to internalize something like the message of if you don't clean your walls once a month, then you are not a worthwhile mother, right? So that's a, and that's an exaggeration, obviously, but I know that for my mom's generation, a lot of the mothers right above her passed that little, little tidbit of joy to their daughters. You know what I mean? The, whatever it is, if you don't iron your husband's shirts or I don't know, whatever it is, insert whatever external action equals worth as a woman. Okay. So any of those, you know, of course, I, of course it's easy for me to say, yeah, I don't, I, I would prefer not to have that. However, by what I do, my kids are going to internalize what, you know, what I see is important. And, but one thing I am willing and I want to be intentional about is I do want to offer them values. And to me, caring values does take strength of character. It's spiritual muscles, right? Having morals, values. And so when I say values, this isn't like this action equals this worth. And values to me also don't equal worth, to be clear. But, you know, the value of honesty, integrity, whatever those things are, they do to me take spiritual strength and moral strength of character to carry. So I would like to offer them to my children with the knowledge that of course their worth's not tied to these values. However, they are important to me. And I do think that they're an important part of living a wholehearted life for me. Right? So it's interesting because I say that I don't want my voice giving them limiting things as they grow up. However, I do want them to hear my voice 
I want them to hear me when they're about to do something that they know is not going to serve them or hurt other people. I am okay with them hearing my voice in that moment saying, because something I say over and over and over is, hurt, we cannot hurt somebody else without hurting ourselves. My kids hear me say that probably once a week. So I would, I'm okay with them hearing that voice in their head when they're older and they're about to do something that's going to really hurt somebody else. I will, I'm okay with them hearing my voice saying, we cannot hurt somebody else without hurting, hurting ourselves because we're connected, right? If that, if that helps them act from a place of love, then yeah, of course I want that. But I also want them to know that regardless of how they act, of course my love is still there for them and their value is still intact. Like none of this affects their worth as a human being. So there's that kind of aspect as we're talking. And again, I know this is getting, we're getting really deep here, but it's about, it's all about control, right? What are we controlling? What are we giving our children? What is our intention for the messages that we give our children? So there's that. And as I kind of look deep in myself, I'm willing to pass values. And I, but I I want that to still, even that be as important as my values are to me. I still want that to be connected with unconditional love. And then there's the other aspect of this, which is emotions. So this is where it actually becomes a little less abstract and a little more practical for me. When it comes to control, if I, when I'm holding boundaries with my children, if I see something that, I mean, the, yeah, this is a boundary that I am holding and hitting is a nice Hitting is just like a nice one to go back to because it's so, I mean, it's just available there all the time, especially if you have toddlers. You know, I'm going to hold this boundary for you. I'm not going to let you hit or I'm going to, I'm going to just hold on to your hand. I'm going to make, remove you away from the baby, whatever it is. That's an easy boundary for me to hold. It's, I'm not like conflicted about it. However, the, when I start really starting to get down the control rabbit hole, it's usually because I'm getting caught up in trying to control my children's emotions. Okay. So I start internalizing. They are freaking out. My patient skin is thin. I am not liking their emotions here. And then I start trying to manage their emotions and I start doing things to stop them from feeling the bad emotions, which I know with my head, that's not a good idea, but it's not pleasant to see your kids feeling negative emotions. So anytime I find myself trying to fix their emotions or manage them or control them, that to me is a sign I'm diving deep into control and not to this healthy, just healthy boundaries, freedom within the boundaries. I'm, I'm going to a place that is less healthy. So as soon as I realize that I am responsible for my own emotions, and when I say realize, it's remembering. As soon as I remember, I mean, I'll talk to myself and be like, remember, I'm in charge of my own emotions. They're in charge of their emotions and they can feel whatever emotion they want to feel. And I'm, and I can hold boundaries. Yeah. I can say the boundary is you can't go outside and play with friends until this thing is done. Like that's a boundary literally every day of our summer. That's how it is. We have our thing. It's a boundary that I can hold and they can be upset about that boundary and they can cry about that boundary and they can whine about it. They can do whatever about that boundary, but it's an easy boundary for me to hold when I'm not cut up in their emotions about it. When I'm not like, Oh my goodness, but they're so sad about it. Am I being too mean? Mm, I don't know. And then it's this torturous little circle thing. And it becomes really hard not only to hold the boundary, but it's hard not to dip into control the, the unhealthy kind of control. So to me, it just is this beautiful, you can stay firm, you can stay neutral when you know what your boundaries are and why they are there. And then you allow your children to feel whatever they want to feel about that. You know, like our, our summer about our summer, what we do every morning doesn't change. And I would say four out of the seven days, four out of the six days a week that we do it, 
it goes fairly smoothly. I mean, they're still whining and, you know, they still fight and stuff, but they do the stuff. And then probably a couple days a week, one of my kids will be like laying on the couch with his head, you know, on the ground, arms up, like, I don't want to wipe off the counter. Why do I have to do it every single day? It's torture. I mean, like you think I'm literally pulling out his eyeballs, making him wipe off the counter, but it's okay. Like I can just be like, it's okay. Cause you can feel that, but you stop to wipe off the counter before we go play. So, you know, whatever <laughs> you can choose. And it's not even a big deal because I'm not trying to manage his emotions. But as soon as I start managing the emotions, as soon as I go in and I'm like, oh my gosh, he's really crying about this. It, am I being so rude? And I start asking all myself these questions, then it's exhausting. And you're dipping into that control space. Do you know what I'm saying? So I feel like there's two aspects here. We're talking about values. And then we're also talking about just the practicality of holding a boundary without getting into emotion. And for me, the magic happens when I can just let go of managing their emotions and just hold the boundary. And then I don't lose it too. It's great. It's a great, it's a, it's a win-win. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting when you say that and you're giving those examples, because I think for every parent and family, what the boundaries are obviously are going to look different and that what you choose to hold a boundary on, it's not the thing that makes you like respectful like being a respectful parent or not. Like for some of you, you might say, you know, my, what I, you know, beforehand tell my kids is we, we are, do these things in the morning and we don't whine about doing them. Like that might be a boundary that you want to hold because for you, that's really a strong family value, whatever. It doesn't, like, or maybe it's the, you know, when Caitlin's saying like the lock the door or not, or leave the door cracked or whatever, like all these little things are not, you know, besides certain, you know, there's certain ones <laughs> putting the car seat on or whatever. There's probably ones that were like universal, but you get to choose within your family what boundaries and values you want to set and hold limits but it's without what Terrell saying that I think is so important is you have these like guardrails up and then we don't shame or guilt or physically punish or verbally abuse in our, like as a consequence. I think that that's really an important distinction, but I want to ask you, cause this is a tricky question. Like we're saying it's kind of the question of we put the baby in the crib and we shut the door and they, you know, cry, they can't open the door. We put the toddler in the room, we shut the door. How is locking it and letting them cry any different? Like that's kind of the question. We won't let them hit, but when do we hold the boundary of your words that you say do and can hurt people? And how do we hold that boundary? Because what are we going to do? Shut their mouth, but then we're going against our, you know, there's like a really like, muddy place we get into with this uh-huh. yeah and well yeah and I think it's hard because and it's funny because Cameron has actually joked about that that he's like when Emmett was in a crib he was like he literally has less freedom in the crib, like, room to move around than like an inmate in prison so he's like I think it's fine that he's in his room which is so true and it, but the thing is that I think it comes it does. It's true. I think that's why this discussion is hard is because you're right. There's not a clear it's not like a clear cut answer for every parent, because it is going to look different for every person of like what that looks like. Cause for me, 
I think part of the reason why I have, like, specifically with the locked door thing, it's like, I have a hard time with it because I am actually really scared of being locked in places. So for me, I'm like, well, I can't, I can't do that because that would be scary. But, but the thing is, that doesn't mean that that is the wrong thing to do. Even, even for me, maybe in the future, but I think you have to come at it from a clear space with all of this. It's like, sometimes you do have to do some work around figuring out what feels the best to you as a parent. And sometimes I think that's why it can be a little bit at least for me, I find it a little bit fatiguing sometimes, especially if you've had it throughout the day where it's like, okay, hold on. Why? Like, where do I stand on this and why? Like, I think Felicia, you brought up a a while ago, like the dinner situation where it's like, it's important that we all have dinner together, but now you have kids that are old enough to now go and play and do these other things. And maybe they want to do other things besides dinner. So it could be like, man, is this really that big of a deal that I make sure that my kids are all back for dinner? And for some people it might be like, no, it's fine. They can just keep playing and who cares? But for other people, it's like, well, no, hold on. Why do I care about this? It's because I want my kids to be gathered. I want us to have this time together. I also don't want them to be hungry when they're going to bed. I actually want them to have their food now so that I'm not letting them snack at 10 or whatever it is. So you can come up with your own reasons and that might look different, but I think, and someone could be like, oh, that's really strict that you make your kids come back for dinner. But I think it doesn't really matter as long as what you're doing resonates and you feel like you're coming at it from a clean space. I think for me, like, that certainty is where the confidence comes with holding the boundary again. Like, and I think our kids feel that, right? Like, and it doesn't matter if they express their displeasure through whining or screaming or crying or whatever. If we have come to a certain place within ourselves, then we can hold it with confidence. And going back to with what you both said with like firmness doesn't have to be stern, but like with that firmness that I think then brings us back And those, some of those things might look more like values rather than a safety thing, like the family value of having dinner together. And I think you're right. That's where it becomes money. And I think it all comes back to, you got to do what resonates best with you while also realizing coming back to the thing of like, if everything matters, then it's the same as nothing mattering. So like also keeping that in check of like, when is it okay for me to, you know, just like let go of some things. And it's hard because it's not clear cut. It isn't. And I think that's what makes it so messy. Yeah. I would like to add to that just one thing about tone, because I think you're right, Felicia, it is, and Caitlin, I think every parent has to decide what is important to them. And I just want to say something about tone with children. So I think that kids are, are going to use a whole range of tone and emotions. And where's the difference between I want them to be respectful and I also want them to be able to express their emotions. And so something that's been helpful for me as my kids have gotten older is for me, I never want to reward whining, right? Like I'm not going to be like, oh, you whined. Great. Now you don't have to do your chore or you're whining and you're asking for something and I'll give you the thing, right? Like I don't, I just say, hmm, is that how we get what we want? (laughs) No, try again. You know, I just make it light. Like for me, I'm not going to punish my children for whining. But I'm also not going to give them the thing that they're wanting, right? Like, that's not how we get stuff in life. So, you know, try again when you're ready. And sometimes, honestly, my kids will, like, whine and, like, flop around for, like, 20 minutes as I'm just doing other stuff. And they'll be like, okay, mommy. And they come to me and they ask nicely. And then we we work, you know, we do the thing, whatever it is. But so that, to me, I don't – for me, it's not worth, like, punishing or having a consequence for a tone of voice that I don't like. But I'm also not going to give them – I'm not going to positively reward a tone of voice that I don't like. However, for me, a really hard, hard boundary that I've always held and my kids know I am firm, firm, firm on it. And it probably, it comes up some more than I would like. And that is for me, labeling 
name calling. For me, it's like a strong, strong, I mean, I will pull one of my children aside and say, looking them in the face and it's not with anger, but it's with, I mean, like sometimes I'll, I mean, I'm feeling emotion and I'll say something like, you called your brother lazy today. That's a label. Like you are saying to him because he wasn't doing the thing you asked him to do. That's a kind of label. Like we do not label each other in this family. In this family, you're gonna get enough labels in the world. We're not gonna add negative labels to our siblings. We're not gonna call them lazy. Even the word liar. Somebody can say something that's untrue, and you can say that's not true. I don't mind you pointing out that, but calling somebody a liar is different. Calling somebody even whatever the name is, meanie, dumb stupid like you are a, a stupid they have all these dumb as i say that they have a lot of for me that's super 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 important and for my older kids i'll say when you guys were that age i never called you names of course i didn't call you names but what we call each other is what our brains start thinking that we really are so or a bully oh my gosh sometimes i'll call like i'll hear one kid say you are a bully and i'm here for this interaction i mean they're not bullying. They're just saying, I don't want to do that thing, whatever it is, or they took a toy or something. But, but for me, like that, as you said, Felicia, we, we can start hurting each other with our words. For me, tone, yeah, I'm going to model the tone I want them to use, and I'm not going to reward them for using negative tones. But for me, like a tone, you can't hurt me with a tone. So whatever, you know, I'm, I can be unruffled and you can use any tone. However, for me, the place where it becomes really important for me to hold the boundary. And this is because of my own personal values and what I believe. And that is name calling. It's like a really, really strong, we do not, we, we do not do that. And every, if I ever hear you, obviously we're going to have a, we're going to have a conversation about it. And I want them to know that really, really clearly. But again, as I say that, that's an easy boundary for me because I feel so strongly about it. But I think every family has to decide in their, I think when it comes to voice and words, Every family has to decide what is important to them. And if you listen to our interview with Kimball Lewis from just a few weeks ago, you know, he said he works with a lot of families where, you know, swearing at each other. We haven't ever had that problem in our family yet, but, you know, for some people that's, that's where the line is or whatever it is. But I think everybody has to kind of decide when it comes to voice, what, what is, what is your boundaries, you know? Mm-hmm. I agree. I'm glad you fleshed that out a little bit. All right, everyone. Whew. That was a good question, Cami. Thank you so much. Um, we will link all of the episodes. I do feel like as we were talking, we have some episodes that specifically go into a lot of these things with control and our kids' actions and emotions and all that. So we will be sure to link those. Remember to send in your questions and let's find the magic. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are so excited to bring you this week's sponsor, Organifi. I have been using Organifi's 
products for some time now. I love them because they are plant-based supplements that help you get that little extra boost of nutrition when you have a day that you are missing these minerals and vitamins and whole food um, additives in your diet. Right now, I am loving mixing their Glow, which is a raspberry lemonade flavored drink that helps you get that collagen and all of the yummy things that your skin needs. I do half of the Glow and half of their Red Juice, which is a energy boosting super juice. And it sort of has this hibiscus, raspberry lemonade flavor. I do it iced and it is just so yummy in the middle of the afternoon in the summer. So we're excited to give you 20% off. If you head on over to Organifi.com backslash find the magic, you will get 20% off your order auto applied at checkout. So that is Organifi.com backslash find the magic for 20% off your entire order. Today's episode is brought to you by Chamonix skincare products. Does anybody else have the struggle of finding a skincare company that they believe in and that they trust their ingredient list, but also still get good results for their skin? I have totally had this experience and this challenge. And lately I have been using Chamonix products and they are absolutely wonderful. My skin has a tendency to break out. And so my favorite two products right now are their ultra retinol for sensitive skin, which has hyaluronic acid in it. And then also I love finishing it up with their Genucel plant stem therapy anti-wrinkle treatment, which is just this really creamy moisturizer I put on over the top and it is fabulous. So if you want to check out their skincare, I would highly recommend them. You can go to betterskintoday.com and they have a fabulous money back guarantee. So again, that's betterskintoday.com, B-E-T-T-E-R-S-K-I-N-T-O-D-A-Y.com and give them a try. Brown cows. <laughs>